Are you also tired of one-size-fits-all weight loss plans? Meet Noom, the personalized solution that meets you where you are. Noom is able to understand your unique needs, from dietary restrictions to medical concerns. Unlike restrictive programs, Noom embraces your lifestyle and choices. Discover a sustainable approach to weight loss, tailored just for you. Honestly, Noom felt like it was made for me. It's not just about what I eat. It's about understanding why. With Noom, I've learned so much about myself and built healthier habits that stick. It's all about progress, not perfection. Say goodbye to restrictive diets and experience the Noom app for yourself with personalized lessons and expert coaching. Noom's psychology and biology-based approach has helped over 5.2 million people achieve their goals. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. You're listening to the Best Morning Routine Ever podcast, the show that proves no one stumbles upon success ever. With your host, Lou Need. Every Mondays and Thursdays, we deliver cold heart evidence behind the power of a robust morning routine. Get ready to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Hello, morning enthusiasts. Welcome to the Best Morning Routine Ever podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lou Need, and today I have an the privilege and honor of introducing a very special guest to the show today, Evan Zivanaskis. He is an executive coach and a PhD candidate for organizational um, behavior. So soon to be a doctor. And I cannot wait to dive into this conversation because throughout his career, he has managed more than over 500 employees across eight different countries. And so led companies to expand across Asia and successfully crafting the right company outline. We're talking about culture and leading people in the front line. So I'm really excited to have him on board here because we're going to talk about leadership. We're going to talk about culture in, inside the organization and how to manage it and get teams more engaged. So with no further ado, Evan, welcome to the show. Dr. Lunit, uh, thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here with you today. It is my honor. Thank you for taking the time. I know you are calling from what part of the world now? I am in sunny Greece. You are, yeah, born and raised. <laughs> and so kind of, yeah, born and raised up until I was 18, 19 years old. And um, um, yeah, it's summer here. So mm-hmm. uh, it's a uh, work from home mainly. So not too bad, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we're going to talk about the culture of working from home and that hybrid lifestyle and how it affects the executives. But before we dive into that, Evan, tell us about how you got started. Now you're getting your PhD in this. What drove you to this um, field? Well, I started back in, you know, when I, you know, I, I graduated from high school and then my, um, my, my, I went to Switzerland to study my first studies you know I, I studied hospitality management masters mm-hmm. in hospitality management and I know I worked in that field and after that you know I went to the UK I did my MBA from Leeds Metropolitan University now it's called it's called Leeds Beckett University and once I graduated I worked you know I worked in sales and marketing after mm-hmm. a couple of years I got promoted to to become a team leader after that to become a general manager and wow. the company gave me the opportunity to expand I took some of my team members and we branched out to a different city in Bristol if you know yeah. UK down south the southwest in, in in England 
around two hours from London by train. And I've opened my own company, kind of my own franchise. And we did pretty well, a lot of challenges at the beginning. You know, I made tons of mistakes, especially with managing people. I almost lost <laughs> all my team because, you know, I was really was, I was the colonial type of leader. You know, you, you do what I say, you know, so... <laughs> So then I had to rebuild my team. My second year was really good. And then we expanded the company after running that business for seven years. And then an opportunity came. A big company wanted to buy our business, which was good. And then I took a sabbatical. You know, I took a break. I sold the company. Not sabbatical. I took a break. Uh, I didn't need to work for a, for a year or so. And then I was headhunted to um, help a financial broker expand its presence in Asia and then I moved to Cyprus from the UK. And from there, I helped that company to expand because of that business development background I have, because of that experience of opening companies mm-hmm. and so on and so forth, managing people, uh, running the show, I suppose. And then I, that gave me the experience to travel, the opportunity to travel. And uh, that's where I worked. You know, for the last eight years, I worked in Malaysia, Indonesia, Philippines, India, Australia, you name it, around eight countries, eight, nine, wow. eight, eight, nine countries. And since 2017, I decided, you know, your question is, what was your motivation? I decided that I wanted to give, you know, I said, you know, I have my experience, you know, what do I do now? I don't really want to work in that kind of field. I want now to kind of share my experience, share my mistakes, you know, work with managers, work with leaders to help them, you know, improve. Yeah. So that was my motivation. And then I started, um, I became an executive coach since 2017, 2018. Wow, look at that. You said it's, it's an elaborate, um, you do have quite a bit of experience. You said that you made some mistake in the beginning. And we're going to talk about that because I know hiring the right people and putting them in place is pivotal and crucial, especially if you're expanding across countries. So tell us about some of the mistakes that you made and that, that has actually helped you now to be an executive coach yeah you know sometimes when you're 25 26 and you have a lot of success you become arrogant you know so the mistake i did is i didn't know i suppose how to balance confidence with arrogance Mm -hmm. so i was coming across like i know it all kind of leader with at the time like 10 years ago in the uk it kind of worked but that was my first mistake. So if you are a new manager or a business owner or somebody who is managing people, you know, my suggestion to you is to know how to balance confidence and arrogance because there is a fine line, mm-hmm. you know, especially in 2022, you know, the role of the leader, I suppose, changed over the yeah. last couple of years. So I was managing in a very much colonial style i do i say you do Mm -hmm. so the communication back then that i had with my staff it was one way okay (laughs) i talk you listen so that cost me a lot and you know if you are again a new manager or a leader or a c-suite or even you know somebody who has a business and you are managing people i suggest the communication nowadays it it should be two ways yeah, that's it. That's important because um, Steve Jobs says, I hire smart people so I don't tell them what to do so they can tell me what to do. So they, you know, so they can tell him what to do. Right. So it's crucial what you're saying that we're seeing the importance of giving people the autonomy to be creative. Right. And so 
tell us a little bit about that and and how can one build that that fine line between cocky and confidence to actually show up and say, you know what, I'm good at this, or I'm not good at this, but I am humble enough to ask for help. Yeah, I think the first thing, as you said, it starts with self-awareness. Okay. Like, I am not shy to, you know, it was my mistake. I understand it. You know, it cost me time. I lost a lot of members of my team, but I guess sometimes you learn a lot from your failures and you learn from your successes. Yeah. So I suppose an effective or a successful manager nowadays shall balance three things, results, relationships, and ego. Okay. And if you could allow me to elaborate a little bit. Please. If I'm a manager and I'm managing people, and if I'm too Mm results-driven, the numbers will be there, results will be up, sales will be up, but maybe some people will not want to work with me because it's all about results, 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 results. They they might think, you know, I will drive them crazy. Mm -hmm. On the other side, relationships. If all you care is about relationship with your staff, people want to work for you, will want to work for you and with you, but you might struggle with results. Yeah. And ego. If you're too egoistical as a manager or as a business owner, and it's all about me, it's all about me, it's all about me, people will not stick with you long term. Mm -hmm. Because what is in it for them? Yeah. So... A successful leader, an effective manager in our world nowadays in 2022 knows how to balance results, relationships, ego. Well put, Evan. I like that. And then as you were talking, something that came up with me is the ego piece of it can lead to narcissism. The narcissistic, the dark side of narcissistic leadership, right? The unproductive side. That's where, right. Where you become a dictator. Yeah. Yes. So tell us, tell us about um, some of the clients that you work with, some of the, the shifts that you have seen. Yes, the clients I work with are managers, C-suites and business owners, mm-hmm. and they are good at the job. Don't get me wrong. And but they want to become better. Of course. And so I work with good leaders, good managers, good CEOs that maybe they they stumble into something, you know. How do I engage my people in a hybrid work setting? How do I increase my sales? How do I increase my leadership influence? How do I communicate better? How do I develop my team so I don't have to micromanage? How do I create a high-performing culture and all that? So the shift I've seen is, you know, leadership starts from the top Mm -hmm. and, you know, talk about, you know, lately I hear the words empathy. I hear the words, you know, yeah, all this is good. Don't get me wrong. But I think the business environment and the organizational environment that we are currently in, I think leaders, we need to kind of roll our sleeves up and lead from the front. Yeah, I agree. There is a lot of uncertainty out there. And yes, if you're running a business, you know, it's easy for me to sit down here and say and say all that. But Again, you know, I'd like to share my tip from a practical experience. You know, you might not know what is going to happen in five years, three years, mm-hmm. two years down the line. But, you know, even if you know three months down the line what is happening in your business or so six months down the line what is happening in your business, please 
share that vision with your people because your people mm-hmm. will question, you know, why, what is in it for me? Why I'm doing what I'm doing? And this is why where we see Lunid, the great resignation. It is not the great resignation. It is the great reevaluation of mm-hmm. values, which I think leads people to say, look, I had enough. I want to do something else. I want to do something that has more meaning to my life. So mm-hmm. as a leader, how do you really engage your people and keep them with you during these challenging times? And I've seen, you know, in my coaching, I've seen companies with a great product. You know, if you go, they, they go to the marketplace, their product or their service, it's really competitive, but sometimes they struggle to scale because their culture is a little bit toxic. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to manage people. And on, this, on the opposite side, I also work with companies which their product or service is average but they scale faster because their internal environment is healthy. Yeah, the people are everything. The people are everything. And, and I 100% agree with you. Um, that, that scaling aspect of it for, for managers, they have to lead from a different place during COVID. And I love that you said, share the vision, right? Because that gives you buy-in. That gives the employees buy-in into the mission, gives them buy-in into the vision. And so they will work more um, more collectively, I believe, if they know why they're there, because you said it well, if they know the purpose behind the, the actions. Uh, yes. And, you know, if, if I can say that is, you know, a manager's customer is not the customer. A manager's customer is the employee. So yeah. That's what I learned when I made the mistakes at all in the past when I was managing in the UK. You know, I was, as you said, you, you used a very British word. I was really cocky and, you know, <laughs> oh, I'm made from London and, you know, I just graduated and, you know, but it's fine. That's all good. But, but really, uh, you know, the manager, we really need to engage people, you know, keep them, you know, informed, you know, two-way communication. And leadership, you know, it's it has different things and it's very much situational nowadays. You yeah. know, it's um, many definitions of leadership, many books, mm-hmm. um, and it means different things to different people. So sometimes leadership is coaching, sometimes it's training, sometimes it's performance reviewing, sometimes it's, you know, challenging, sometimes it's, you know. It's almost like you have to switch the personalities, right? Because there's charismatic leadership. You got to be charismatic at this, this different situation with these different people and actually finding out what motivates the individuals. Because it's not always monetary. As you said, it's that not. relationship. Absolutely. That relationship of it could be the, 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 the bigger of the pie for them. Remember those three R's that you told us about, the three things they have to manage. They could be that relationship and you have to be charismatic enough to know the difference, um, to be able to do it. Now, I'm, I'm curious to find out um, how can executives now manage this hybrid, this virtual world? How can they engage people if they're not face-to-face? They're on Zoom. It's very distant and yeah. very detached. So let's talk about that a bit. Yeah. It's, you know, <laughs> the biggest challenge that managers and executives have is actually themselves. Hmm. Because they don't want to admit that. Because, you know, if I come to you and say, you, say, you know, you can tell me, look, I want to. Not a lot of people admit that they want to be coached or trained because that automatically makes them feel vulnerable. Right. So do you mean like I'm not a good manager? <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. you know, if you wake up tomorrow morning and you have a toothache, you're going to go to your dentist, right? You're going to call yeah. your dentist. Yeah. But if you wake up tomorrow morning and you have a business and your sales are down, your people are quitting, you're going to automatically blame on them, blame the environment, blame COVID, blame the lockdowns. 
you're not, you know, not a lot of people actually will stand in front of the mirror and say, I need to be better. Right. It's human nature. So how, first of all, you know, please understand that leadership is like a muscle. It's leaders actually and managers are made. They're not born. It's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's subjective, right? Okay, look, if you are born into a house where your parents maybe hold a leadership role, maybe they are in the army, maybe if you see that in your upbringing, yes. But if you grow up in an environment where like most people, you know, your parents are running, I don't know, they are doing something, you know, to put food on the table, they are working for somebody. I mean, if you really want, you know, leadership is, you know, leaders are made. If you really want to improve your management skills, you can. And I can't, I can't argue with you because it's like nurture versus nurture, nature versus nurture, right? That that yes. phenomenon. Or is your environment developing you? And as leaders, as entrepreneurs, we know what we listen to, what we're feeding our senses, our ears, our eyes, the, the words that we speak. It challenges us to be better. Yes, I agree. We have to constantly be improving and making progress. So that's how you, I can see um, you are creating a leader, right? You are, you are making, you're being made as a leader, because then, then you seek coaching, then you improve. Um, you improve yourself, you improve your business. Because I know Jim Rohn says, mm. as you grow, your business will grow. Exactly. If you don't grow, your business will not yeah. grow. And it's like true 100%. And I think and a, a smart leaders always have a learner's mentality. Yeah. And, you know, the, it's like a bicycle, really. The, the minute you think you know it all, and the minute you stop Pedaling, you really fall down. <laughs> and, you know, and one of the key duties, I suppose, and responsibilities of the role of successful leaders is to constantly improve, empower, and nurture mm-hmm. our employees to help them become better in doing their job. Because right. if they become better in doing their job, I will get what I want as a leader or as a business owner. So my mentality is I look at my employees really like my customers. I like it. That's my mindset. How do you help your your clients or even your employees become better? Um, let's talk about habits and disciplines, right? Because habits and, and those are really imperative in building confidence, in building your skill sets and all that. So let's talk about how you help your clients show up. Show up is very important. Eh? Sometimes you just have to show up, right? <laughs> Yeah. Look, yeah, the, I think the biggest advantage of having, like, even myself, I have a coach. Yeah. You know, and you know, we, we live in the information age. Like, for example, if you want to learn how to, to hit the racket on tennis or to learn the basic, you actually don't need the coach. Just go on YouTube. There is tons of lessons of how to. But mm-hmm. if you really want to, improve if you really want to play even with your neighbor a little bit competitive if you want to play good tennis i don't mean professional but play good tennis you really need a coach you really need a trainer and so i'm giving you that sports analogy to business to coaching because the biggest i suppose advantage of a coach is accountability Mm. is to keep you accountable so this is how i help my clients and coaching is a lot of questions you know, and, and using, you know, I believe that it's better to use my client's strengths to improve their strengths 
rather than trying to improve a weakness. Right. Because I think if you take somebody and, you know, one of the questions I ask my client is, you know, for example, I don't know if my client is telling me, look, I have a high turnover. I want to know how to recruit better. I, you know, one of my questions I will ask them is probably the first question I will ask them is, which of your talents do you think you can use to achieve what you want? Yeah. And outsource the rest. I'm trying kind of to look at the positive of the talent of my client. So what do you know so we can leverage that? Right. That is brilliant. Yeah. And then what you don't focus on what's not in your genius zone, right? So you can outsource the rest and hire people to do the things that you're not so strong in and then focus on the, the ones you are good at. So I'm curious for yourself, um, having to show up for your clients and even your employees, how yeah. do you get up, dress up and show up? Share with us about your morning routine. Yeah, my morning routine actually starts. Let's go back a little bit on the, on the, on the weekly routine. I check all how I do every Sunday night just before I go to bed. I will check my online, I like everything is online. Like for me, if, if like our meeting today, if it's not on, on my online calendar, something that doesn't exist, I will forget. <laughs> so I try to be systematic. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know, with my clients, if I am a guest on a podcast or if I have to do something, it shall, it shall be on my calendar, even if it's online or offline. So every Sunday night, I will check my calendar. And then... Due to, I have, you know, right now I'm in Europe. I have clients in Asia. I have clients in Europe and I have clients in the US. So what I do, I block my days because to work on different time zones. Mm-hmm. So normally my Monday is my Asian clients. Tuesday is my European clients. Thursday is my American clients. Wednesday is kind of my admin day and Friday kind of admin business development. Yeah. So the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning, you know, sometimes I wake up at 3, 4 a.m. Because if I'm in Europe, 3, 4, 5 a.m., it's like 10, 11 a.m. in Asia, in Australia. It's time yeah. for me, you know, people already had lunch. So the first thing I do when I wake up is to, you know, I'm not really spiritual in my morning routine. I'm much more practical, I suppose. The first thing I do, I'll prepare coffee. So by the time that coffee is ready, I must have a warm glass of water with a little bit of fresh lemon squeeze. Mm-hmm. So once I have that, I get my coffee. I'm a coffee lover. I don't drink much. Around two, three coffees by lunchtime. That's it. I don't drink coffee afterwards because it affects my sleep. And then I sit down. I follow my calendar, which I know from the night before. And then I get on with my thing. You know, I don't really like last minute things. So everything kind of has to be organized and all that. And then around 11 o'clock local time, I will take a break between 11 to 12. And I will do my gym, my sports. You know, Mm -hmm. I like to do that in the morning. I will come back. I will have a shower. I will have lunch. And then I will continue my day up until, you know, six, seven o'clock. It depends on the time zone that I'm working on. Like, you know, sometimes if I work with my Asian client, I may wake up four, five a.m. in Europe. And by lunchtime, 12, 12, one o'clock in Europe, I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, How significant is that workout for you, right? Uh, Giving you that serotonin boost, giving you that extra energy to carry on your second half of your day. You know, I tried so many times, different times to do it. You know, I tried to do it early morning, first yeah. thing. I didn't like it. I need my coffee first. Um, <laughs> I tried to do it after work, like around 7, 8 o'clock. I didn't like it because, so I decided like, you know, it's around 11 o'clock after the major, you know, the major work is done. It's kind of, you know, it's a, it's a big boost. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I feel like after I come back, I take a shower. It's like, I just woke up again, you know? Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> it's quite important. Um yeah, and it's my it's my relief, you know, it's how I relax. 
Yeah, I do dig it. I like it a lot because it, it's important to move the body to get that extra energy. Because how else are you going to work 10, 12 hour days? You know, you will not if you don't have, if you don't work out the body or even the mental. So tell us a little bit about, you know, your, that habit. And actually it's really challenging for some people to even meditate. What are you consuming? You know, cause you said you're always learning. Tell us about what you, what you're reading, when you read and how you kind of uh, evolve your mind. Yeah. One of the things I do actually, when I, um, when I'm on the treadmill is I'm listening to podcasts. Mm-hmm. Like um, Harvard Business Review, Tony Robbins, it's all about leadership, management, um, organizational behavior and all that. So that's for around 20 minutes per day. Yeah. And then different books, you know, I don't really read books about fiction and all that, but just, you know, leadership books. Right now I have a book um, probably from a coach, you know, Marshall Goldsmith, you probably know him. He's very famous. I think he's the most famous coach, right? Yeah. What God you hear will not get you there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read that one. That's a good one. Yeah, that's he, a good he's, one. He's the name on my school, Marshall Goldsmith. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thanks for sharing. You got to keep feeding your senses, feed your mind, feed your body, and, and staying healthy to sh- continue to show up for your clients and for your employees. Yeah, and sometimes I think for some people, you know, maybe you want to take a week off not to do nothing. You know, it's not that I always like this, you know. Sometimes, you know, if I'm on holidays or, for example, you know, next week I go for two days on the weekend, I will probably not take even not even take my laptop with me, you know, just... Um, Check just out. Rel- yeah, um, need, I think you need to kind of just listen to yourself, really, and self-aware. You know, some people say, you know, the 5 a.m. club, the 4 a.m. club, like a lot of people, I think they're getting jonesed. You know what I mean? Like it's a pretty, you know, just look at your lifestyle. Look at you as if like, for example, for me, you know, if you have a, a baby, I don't think it's possible for anybody to wake up at four, five o'clock. So, you know, <laughs> we, we see a lot of information. It around. does change. It does. It varies for the person. Like for myself, I am one of those that are up at four and five in the morning, but yes. by six o'clock, seven o'clock, I'm pretty much tired. But I have a baby on the way. I know it's going to change. <laughs> well, so, it changed for me. My son is four years old and it changed for me. And the reason why I wake up at about four is because to work with my, you know, Asian clients. So I need to be in bed by eight, nine, which means I put him to bed. Of course. <laughs> and then his mom, my wife, she does work at night. So it's all about time management. Kids teach you good time management. In that balance, right? You really, that notion, the balance, work-life balance exists. You're dropping a ball. If you're focusing on your clients, like you better believe something else is being sacrificed. And then you pick that um, that other piece up and then you, you better believe, okay, you should be reviewing or, or doing outreach, but you're not because you got to take care of your son. So that notion of work-life balance doesn't really exist. It's just a matter of, um, as you say, time management and then prioritizing. Okay, what do I focus on now? And then what can I move on to, to another? Yes, on your own priorities. Yeah, it's your own priorities. Evan, yes. this has been amazing. Thank you for sharing. I feel like I can talk to you forever as we share a similar background, but I want to give you an opportunity. Tell us, how can we connect with you? How can we find you? Yeah, I'm quite I am active on LinkedIn. You can find me, Evan Zivanakis, and I'm also on my website, executivecoachaza.com. Mm-hmm. You know, if you are listening to this and you have, uh, you know, I, I offer all my potential clients a free consultation, a half an hour discovery call. Um, they can just schedule it through my website on, uh, and then they will get an automated email. They can tell me their 
their challenge. I will listen. I will ask some questions to see exactly what is the issue. And if I can offer them a solution, I will tell them. Yeah. And I would love to work with them if there is a mutual fit. If there is not, we'll just stay friends, you know. So if you like what you listen to today, I would like to invite you to a free discovery call, which um, the link is in my website, executivecoachasia.com. Perfect. Uh, and we must remember, leaders, executives must manage three things. Results, relationship, and their ego. <laughs> I love that. Thank you for sharing. And I, it's been a pleasure having you on the show, Evan. Thank you very much, Dr. Linnit. It was my pleasure. Evan. Awesome. Well, all right, morning enthusiasts. That's it for today's show. Thank you for tuning in. If you love the best morning routine ever podcast, we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes or Google Play. While you're at it, tell a friend about the show. Be sure to visit bestmorningroutineever.com and our Facebook group to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic free bonus content. Until next time. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.